We love sharing stories about military reunions, and boy, do we have a doozy for you today. This one started on Facebook and ended at the Emmys. It's a story of two World War II veterans that thought that they were the last of their ship, and boy, is an amazing story. I'm Sharon Danachek. Welcome to MRN Radio. I am super excited for this show because uh, Kyle Olson is joining us, and I have known you, I think, since 2015. Boy, folks, sit down, grab your coffee, because we have the coolest story to tell you. So, Kyle, welcome back. I think this is Thank the third you. first time you've been with me. Yeah, no, we've we've definitely done a lot of events together through the years. And it's funny because in some ways it feels like just yesterday that we were meeting for the first time. And in other ways, it feels like a decade ago. So uh, we, we, we've definitely had a lot of fun together through the years, uh, kind of doing these military reunion related things. Um, but yes, uh, to all your listeners out there, my name is Kyle Olson. Um, and I guess in a nutshell, I am a visual storyteller uh, that was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the heart of the Midwest and moved out to Los Angeles, California to pursue my dreams of working in the industry. And now I've been out here for what has almost been 15 years now, um, working in television and film um, on a variety of shows and movies and all sorts of different productions. So one of the projects that I was most recently associated with was a project that I had the pleasure of executive producing and directing uh, called The Last Signal. It started with a Facebook post, didn't it? Yeah, you know, and this is such an incredible story that the stars aligned so many times, and you'll kind of see what I mean by that as we go. And obviously, Sharon, you know kind of some of the punchlines in this story, but as the listeners go about, you're going to hear some things, and you're going to be like, wow, oh my gosh. Like, But what's what's cool about this and why I'm so excited about this particular thing is that we, I, I personally have never really had a platform to tell the entire story of this documentary from start to finish. Uh, yeah. And it's incredible because it is a heck of a story. And like you you said, like buckle in and like get the popcorn because like, you know, not, not to toot horns, but like this is a darn good story. And no, it, it is a really, great story. Toot your horn, yeah. toot your horn. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it really, it speaks to the power of these reunions. And again, there's no better place to do this than on a podcast dedicated to military reunions and all that, you know, encompasses them. But, you know, what, what I hope that your listeners kind of gain from this as we, we talk about this is that let's not forget, this is a reunion with two people, two people right. and the ripple effects and the power of that story that just two people had has, as mm -hmm. you'll see, as we kind of talk, really gone further than any of us could have ever imagined. I'm, I'm literally getting goosebumps as we yeah. sit here saying this, yeah. just because Same. like it, it is quite literally two people that had such a colossal impact on all of us. And it was through a, a reunion uh, of two of our, our, our nation's greatest heroes, you know? And so, but, you know, stories have a beginning, a middle and an end. And um, so I think that we should start back at the beginning. Um, yeah. I know, I know if anybody has been on Facebook for any amount of time, you have seen pictures um, posts of people looking for other people. Um, and this particular post was from, it, it just the, the picture was so sweet of a gentleman holding a sign. Yep. He's sitting in a chair, um, holding a sign saying he was looking for people that served on the LST 218. That's right. And, yeah, exactly. And I got that, I don't know how many times, and it passed your desk, I don't know how many times. And so I'm just going to let you pick it up from there because this is where it starts to get 
really interesting. Yeah, th this is literally where the story starts, right? You know, a lot of people think that we had kind of an inside track before the Facebook post. The way I first heard about this story was through this Facebook post. So as you mentioned, there was a picture that went viral on the internet. Basically, it was just what you said. It was a gentleman that was in his 90s, sitting in his rocking chair outside on the porch, and he held up a sign that said, I'm looking for any of my former shipmates from the LSC 218. And uh -huh. the catalyst for this was that he thought that he was the only one left from his ship. He thought he was the last survivor. And his daughter, Cheryl, who was the one that really posted it because Devere, you know, not quite on uh, Facebook at the age of 90 some years old. Um, Cheryl was convinced that, you know, she could prove her father wrong, that somebody else was out there. So just that in a nutshell is a cute little heartwarming story. And that's right. exactly why it went viral. I was one of the millions that saw this post and I was like, man, this would be so cool if this guy could find a shipmate and what a cool story that would be. And so I reached out to Cheryl who had put up the post of her father, Devere. And I was like, you know, I'm looking for my next, you know, documentary. And this kind of speaks to me. And I think if you guys find a shipmate, I'd be really interested in doing a story on this. And we had a nice conversation and she was like, that would be great. I'm honored, but we haven't found anybody yet. But if we do, I'll let you know. And so that was kind of it. And uh, a few weeks passed and I got a call out of the blue one day and it was from Cheryl. And Cheryl said, guess what? We just found another one of the shipmates from dad's ship. And we think he might be one of the only other ones living that's alive because they had been in touch with a number of people that were trying to help that were, you know, the the historians, the 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 people that were very familiar, a lot of which were veterans themselves, trying to, you know, kind of connect the dots and figure out, you know, uh, through logbooks and records and that sort of thing. Is there anybody else left from the ship according to uh, birth records and death records and that sort of thing? Um, mm -hmm. And so they said, we, we found somebody, but we think he might be the only one left. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Um, I, I'm really interested in doing a documentary on this. Um, if your dad is interested, and then, of course, if this other gentleman, uh, whose name is John, if John's interested, I'm interested in doing this. And Cheryl said, yeah, we might be, but, like, I'm also getting phone calls from, like, Good Morning America and the Today Show and that kind of a thing. And which, of course, if you are that person, if you were Cheryl in this case, that's very exciting, right? Yeah. You know, I'm the independent <laughs> filmmaker coming in that I've worked on a lot of big shows, but I don't have... Of, you know, the resume that Good Morning America or the Today Show has. Yeah. And so there was a lot of talking back and forth. Yeah. Um, and so long story short, she finally comes back and she said, uh, Tom and I have talked and, you know, we are going to give our blessing. Um, if, if John is down to join us and do this on camera, then we would love to welcome your cameras into our home. But if not, then we would like to ask that, you know, you, you don't do it. I was like, that's fine. I, I will call, call John and I'll bet you he would be more than happy. So. I, I called John uh, pretty much right after I hang up with Cheryl. She gives me her, his number and says, call John, you know, let me know how it goes. I called John and John picked up the phone and I said, hi, John, my name is Kyle Olson. I'm this Hollywood filmmaker. Uh, I know that you've been in touch with Cheryl and Devere, who was on your ship. And we really want to do a story of the two of you reuniting. We think it's amazing that this will be the first time in, you know, 70 plus years since you guys were practically in high school that you'd be reuniting in your 90s. And I would love to document this experience. And he goes, nah, not interested. Click, <gasps> and hangs up the phone. No. 
And I did you was just, devastated. Did you just die? <laughs> I was devastated because I was like, holy cow, like there it goes. Like poof, right? There, uh -huh. there goes the story. It's done and it's not gonna go any further than this. And so I called him the next day, like first thing in the morning. And so I call him and I said, Hey, you know, John, I know I called yesterday and you hung up because you weren't interested, but I really wanted to take time to explain this. You know, I'm not looking to come and you know make a million dollars off your life story. I'm looking to come in and make a real authentic piece that you know is going to you know serve as a time capsule for this history not just the history of this reunion but the history of really telling what you and Devere and the others of the LST 218 did during your time in World War II and I really got to explaining this and he was pretty much just listening he kept saying the ahas mm -hmm. and all that but he wasn't really saying much and finally he wasn't saying no but he wasn't saying no. And that, that <laughs> yeah, you have a good producer instinct uh, because that's exactly <laughs> right. He wasn't saying no. And it, the most important thing is he wasn't hanging out the phone yet. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, so as we're going about, uh, finally, he kind of breaks his silence, if you will, and stops the ahas and hmms and says, let me ask you something. If I agree to do this, and I was like, okay, whatever he asks for, like, you know, if he asks for a million dollars, like, I'm going to find a way, like, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He says, if, if I agree to do this, can you guarantee that my family can get a copy of this, even if I'm not here anymore? <gasps> and I said, oh, bless him. I said, John, like, first off, that's the least we can do. It's the literal least I can yeah. do, right? And right in that moment, I think is when John and I had an understanding that, we're all in this for the right purpose. We're all in this right. for the right reasons. Our intentions are pure here. And he's not looking for a million bucks. I'm not looking for a million bucks. We're just looking to share this story and get it out there. And what he was looking for at that point, I think, and I think this was what all, you know, two and two came together was his legacy, right? Absolutely. And he wants to make sure that his kids and grandkids learn about this. And this is a theme that I'm sure, I, I know you have talked about many a time, especially yeah. when it comes to these reunions, that... Yeah. One of the reasons these reunions are so important is because these guys don't have the chance to talk about it and much less with people that really understand what it was like, right? And so yeah. to give them the platform to talk, much less with somebody else that was there and understood and remembers the same things or can fill in the blanks and that kind of thing is so important. And I think John realized in that moment, like, you know, my kids and grandkids don't know the story of my participation in World War II. And if I don't get it on the books, then it's gonna die with me. So, um, so John says yes. And let's give people a sense of geography. You are in yes. Los Angeles. So I'm in Los Angeles. John is in Stover, Missouri, like smack in the middle of the country. And then Devere and his daughter, Cheryl, are in Joliet, Illinois. So we, we're spreading across the map at this point. And so I call a bunch of favors in. I call a bunch of my camera guy friends and all this and say, I got this project. Here it is. I want to be in uh, we we had decided that we were going to do the reunion at uh, John's house, so in Stover, Missouri. I said I want to be there in less than two weeks filming this, so that we can make sure that we don't have any regrets of you know waiting and pushing too long. Um, so we basically made a plan, and the plan was that we were going to myself and our DP uh, Marcus Taplin, uh, director of photography, he's the the mastermind behind the camera. Um, we were going to go to Stover. We were going to meet John first and get an interview with John before he met Devere. So that way we could have kind of a baseline, if you will. And then from there, we were going to drive to Joliet 
meet with Devere, meet with Cheryl, get their baseline interviews. And then from there, we are going to drive back to Stover with Cheryl and Devere and then do the reunion at John's house in Stover. So the night before I'm about to hop on a plane to head to Stover to meet John first, I get a call and it's from Cheryl. And Cheryl says, we might have a problem. And I said, oh God, like <laughs> we've, been, we've, been, we've been pushing ourselves, you know, in full steam uh, to get out there as quickly as possible. And she goes, well, mom just ended up in the hospital. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And so it turns out that Devere's uh, wife, Ruth, they've been married now for 70 years. Um, Ruth went out to the mailbox, which is not a move that Ruth typically did. Usually Devere is a guy that goes and gets the mail. Um, and this particular day, Ruth was like, I'm gonna help out and I'm gonna go get the mail. On the way to the mailbox, fell in a ditch and just completely messed up her back and her shoulders. Um, 911 was called, an ambulance came and she was whisked away to the hospital uh, to be given the according treatment. And so I, at that point said, listen, Cheryl, I said, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to get on a plane tomorrow and we're going to go see John. It's too premature to cancel anything. It's too premature to, to move anything. Right. Let's take this one step at a time. And at that point, it was also, let us take a Jesus take the wheel approach. And, <laughs> you know, quite, quite literally, what happens, happens. And what's meant to be is meant to be. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. But right. at the very least, let's get to John. Let's get him in the can. And even if, you know, we can get him in the can and maybe go up and get Devere, maybe the reunion isn't ready now, but if we can get, at least get their stories on film that's better than nothing. So like, you know, right. again, one step at a time, let's just see what happens. And so she said, okay, that sounds good. And I hop on a plane the next day, the crew hops on the plane, we meet in Stover and we get to John's house in the early afternoon for what we had planned to be like a quick two, three hour interview. Just again, just kind of setting the tone of like, before John comes, we wanted to ask some questions to get it all on tape. And so we spend from what is no joke, two o'clock in the afternoon till midnight interviewing no. John, almost straight through. Like we took like, I think a half hour for like a quick dinner, but that was like in the chairs eating while John was still on camera. You know, um, John had like a swig of water, like during this entire thing. <laughs> and and it was incredible. And we we left that evening, we pack up all the gear. I get in the car, Marcus, our director of photography hops in next to me. We both like quite literally close the car doors at the same time, look at each other and say, hot damn, if we get nothing else, we've got ourselves a documentary. We head off to Joliet to find Devere and, and Cheryl and Ruth, who's in the hospital. Um, and we get up to Joliet and uh, we meet with Devere and with Cheryl and they could not have been more accommodating, literally rolling out the welcome wagon for us to come into their homes. Um, and we start by interviewing uh, Devere and we start asking him the questions, the same questions we asked John. And what's incredible is that the two of them, yes, they talked for a few minutes on the phone while they kind of set the date for the reunion. Other than that though, they didn't really talk. And so what was amazing about the story and what's very special and something that really only only me and I think our camera op really had the opportunity of seeing is that we were able to see all the things John said, all the things Devere said before uh -huh. either of them talked. And the stories not just match, they overlap. The wow. detail that John didn't remember, Devere filled in. The story that Devere told, John had a detail for. And like, I knew answers in my head as Devere was saying things. And then he would say like kind of a buzzword or a hit thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's exactly what John was talking about. You know, so can you, it was incredible. Can, can you think of an example? 
can you get oh, does an example pop to mind sorry we're um, talking early and so yeah no um no they were they were talking at one of the examples was they were talking about um they did end up going uh to hawaii shortly after they both got in the war the lsc 218 did make a stop uh, it's important to kind of you know, quick history uh, aside for a second the lsc 218 mm -hmm. um was a a ship that lsc stands for landing ship tank um uh, mm -hmm. but as john says it should have stood for tank landing ship um uh, because <laughs> that's exactly what they did they hauled the tanks and they they put them on the beaches so that the guys could go out and fight the good fight so they mainly stayed on the ships um and so they did not see you know your kind of quote-unquote quote saving private ryan style of action that maybe we're used to um and and that's you know th th that doesn't mean they didn't have their experiences that's just it's a completely different experience and one of the things that both john and devere remember very vividly was their time in hawaii and they remember um going to get a haircut one day and there was some cute aloha girls that they were kind of you know flirting with <laughs> and they both <laughs> remembered like the one girl with the red feather in her hair you know like th these kind of things yeah it was funny because like again this is like just like a oh they went to get a haircut like whatever but for whatever reason this story stuck out to them i don't know if it was the cute hawaii girls or what it was you know <laughs> i would suspect uh, that would have something to do with it, it might yeah. have something to do with it um but they they really it had an impact but they would remember these things so yeah. we're going through with devere we finally sit down and we talk to cheryl and kind of get her perspective on this whole thing as a daughter that's going through this and why she's doing this for her dad and we talk about that in the documentary so i won't talk about that all here um but um as we're going through all of this, there's still a little bit of an elephant in the room, which is, are we going Ruth. to this reunion? You know, what's going on with Ruth? How is Ruth yeah. doing? Um, so we ultimately end up going to visit Ruth. We start talking to Ruth and find out that Ruth is game to do an interview, to talk about things and to talk about the experiences that even landed her in the hospital. And so mm -hmm. we took that experience and we took that opportunity and we went in and we did an interview right there at the home with Ruth and wow. we got it uh, on the record. And at, as we're doing that, um, we had an opportunity to get a moment where uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to get Ruth and Devere to kind of have like some time together and like just us filming them together. Ruth looks at Devere and says, you're going to Stover tomorrow. And I'm not going with, because I got to stay here, but I'm not stopping you. You got to go. You got to do this. This is the last lap of our lives. And I'll be darned if I'm going to stop you from going for what could be a really big moment at the end of your life. Really I can guarantee you that Devere went, I have to go because there's no way, there's no way he's going to fight with Ruth. I mean, she's and, laid and down that, the law at this point. <laughs> that that was something we also learned, right? There's a, there's a little bit of an unspokenness there that you know Ruth was like, "Honey, you're, you're I'm not asking if you're gonna go. I'm saying you're going, right?" <laughs> and and yeah. I think to Ruth's credit, she knew the importance of this to him, you know. Right um and, and of course she did uh but that that was beautiful to see um and you know she's saying you've got to go and this is the last lap of our lives and like you are going to regret this if you don't mm -hmm. and devere says you're absolutely right and packs his bags and the next morning we head to stover we get in we get settled and the next day is the day that you know at this point now for two weeks we've been this is it. This is the moment of truth. This is what we've been waiting for and prepping for. And I didn't sleep a wink that night. And you know, like we're right. we're ready to go. And was he nervous? Biggest... 
was 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 think, severe nervous or i don't think either of them were nervous to be honest i think they were excited um and actually the the one thing i don't even know if nerve is the right word but the 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 kind of elephant in the room that everybody was wondering was is devere gonna recognize john and is john gonna recognize devere yeah because remember the last time they saw each other they were 21 years old they're now in their 90s you know mm -hmm. and it, it, there are people that I graduated with from high school that if I walk past them on the street, I might not recognize them now. Right. Right. Much less in 70 some years, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I, it was a completely genuine thing that they would be concerned about and wondering about. Um, and we leaned into that for the documentary. We thought that was an interesting angle to follow was like, you know, are they going to recognize each other? Is there going to be a spark? Is there going to be a moment? And, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> The risk of spoiling a part of the documentary there was this spark it was a magical moment and these two guys get to the front porch devere knocks on the front door of john's house john opens the door and instantly lights up and he's like holy cow devere yeah. just as short as i remember you man you're you're standing right here i remember you know and and it just and 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 just like that we're off to the races yeah and and that was the start of what was an incredibly long day but an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling day you know mm -hmm. i talked about how long we sat with john in the chair we talked for a while with devere in the chair when we were doing their solo interviews when we put the two together and let them just start talking man mm -hmm. oh man <laughs> yeah i didn't really have to direct much because yeah. we just kind of let it happen and i told our crew going into that day because we had a number of cameras we had audio you know we had a small crew I said, I want to go into this being flies on the wall. I want to stand back and watch as much of this organically happen as possible. And, you know, we'll fill in blanks if we have to. And my uh -huh. job was to, you know, what we were doing is I was literally sitting in the kitchen. I was watching the cameras and kind of calling camera moves. They were in the living room having their reunion. And while I'm calling cameras, I'm also tracking story. And what I was tracking was all the stories that John told me about and all the stories that Devere told me about. And I was watching to make sure that they all shared the stories that they shared with me. And they did. Right. During during the time that um, Devere and John were together, one of the things, and Cheryl jumped in and asked the question about this, because they were talking about singing in the choir. <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, there was a lot of really cute moments like this that came up where um, Cheryl, you know, was learning about things that she had never talked about with her dad. You know, this goes right back to that theme we were talking about earlier of that, you know, <laughs> this person's here the entire time, has all this info and is like, I never knew this. And so during the reunion, one of the questions Cheryl asked is, dad, were you in a choir? Because John was talking about his time in choir. And Devere was like, yeah, I was in a choir. And she said, well, you can't sing worth a darn. Like, why were you in the choir, dad? And dad, being very candid, says to get out of having to, you know, clean the floors and scrub the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. said you didn't have to sing. You just had to make your mouth move, you know? <laughs> uh, it was, uh, which is it a very was awesome. candid answer that you would expect, you know? But it was a really kind of cute moment. And it was those moments that were some of my favorite because that helped keep things light. Because we did mm -hmm. deal with, and like, <laughs> spoiler alert, we dealt with some very deep 
topics. We dealt with, you know, there, there are some serious moments in this documentary. They talk yeah. about, you know, uh, uh, having uh, funerals uh, out at sea, you know, and, and where these bodies go and what they do and like, you know, uh, what does uh, the government do to kind of record keep this whole process? And you know? can we pause there for just a second? Because one sure. of the things that I found fascinating um, was the philosophy, the different philosophy that each of them had, and I, I don't know if they consciously decided to do this or not, um, in dealing with their service after yes. they left the military. Is, as a producer, this is one of my favorite parts about this piece, is that these two, while very similar in a lot of ways, could not be more apart in a lot of ways. Uh -huh. And that brings a beautiful contrast to this story and, and really highlights what the contrast we see is in life, right? Um, we leave, uh, or sorry, uh, John and Devere leave World War II. And at the end of World War II, John kind of commits himself unofficially to a life of service with the Navy and with the LSTs and really helping working through the community and different organizations to do what he can to kind of continue the service and the mission even after his time in the war. Right. Devere, on the other hand, walks away off that ship and never looks back. Doesn't mm -hmm. want to look at it, doesn't want to talk about it, rarely talked about it with his wife, never talked about it with his kids, and just never unlocked that part of his life until this reunion hit, which was another reason that this was so surprising to Cheryl and to John. One of the things that you and I have not talked about is after the reunion and returning home, did you did you guys go back to Joplin or did you take off and go back to LA? We did. We, we, yes, okay. we actually, we did. So after we finished our reunion in Stover, um, which one of, one of the best things that happened as we were all leaving the house that day is John came up to me and we're all giving our hugs goodbye and that kind of thing. And John says, this has probably been the best day of my life outside of my wedding day. That's when it hit me that, oh my gosh, this is really something that we've got something special here. And this whole day, this whole experience, you know, this was something special, but that was yeah. a really special moment. So, so we say our goodbyes. We head back to Joliet. Uh, by then, Ruth is home which is incredible. Excellent. And she's yeah. got a, a welcome home dinner kind of plan for Devere. So we get a little bit of that on tape. And then we say our farewells as a crew. And mm -hmm. I head back to Los Angeles and hand over all this footage to Elliot so that he can get to work on kind of editing this whole thing together, so, <laughs> which was a process. What, what were, and this is the question that I've never asked you. Yeah. You, so you t obviously talked to Devere before the reunion, right? Um, at the dinner with Ruth, when you guys get back to Joplin, mm -hmm. what was that conversation? Uh, what was? How did he feel? I mean, what were his thoughts about? Oh my gosh, this was amazing! Or uh, <laughs> this is this this I don't know if I've actually ever talked about. Uh, certainly not in like a a public forum. Uh, maybe like behind the scenes with maybe Trace or something. Uh, it's a great question. Um, when we were doing our final interview with Devere, um, we had asked like you know all the questions that you're asking right now, which right. are. Can you encapsulate this experience? What has this been like? You know, when we were with John, John saying it's the best day outside of his wedding day and the day that his kids were born, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're, as, as producers, you're kind of hoping that John, or excuse me, that Devere has a somewhat similar answer, you know, that this has uh -huh. had a 
real lasting impact on Devere as well. And so we're there with Devere and it's like, Devere, we've been on a heck of a journey the last two weeks, you and I, what's it been like? How do you summarize this in a nutshell? What was it like? And he goes, it was all right. I, no, he did not say yeah. that. Yes, he did. No. Oh and my gosh. I, I, I start like just like just a little internal weeping, and I was like, no, 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 no. But like, but like, did you like anything? Can and you like, stand on that a little, please? <laughs> can we get a little more? And so yeah. I ask again, and we we try a few different approaches, and I forget how I finally worded it, but I was like, you know, in a nutshell, how would you describe this entire experience? And he looks, and very, very matter-of-factly, he says, once in a lifetime. And he smiles. You and I met. Yes. um, At the time that you had done this sizzle. Yeah, so right around here. Yep. Yeah, this is is where we meet. Yeah. And so this is kind of where I I can personally follow the story. And... um, you you were a keynote speaker at one of my conferences and you shared this story um and you showed them that that what you in the industry call the sizzle uh and it, it, everybody was in tears i had war fighters i you know iraqi afghanistan you know big ass tattooed pierced war fighters in the room in tears so success for you you know oh, that oh. you know emotional you, buttons what, there what was beautiful about doing uh that event was this was the first time we had shown footage in front of a, a crowd an audience i think it was only like about 10 minutes long like it wasn't the full length of the entire film but it was just yeah. enough to kind of get the points across right and we wanted to see if it stuck and if things resonated and all that and especially with an audience like what you had which is all these vets all these war guys you know this kind mm-hmm. of thing and the reaction we got from the crowd there, I mean, ooh, I still remember the line that night <laughs> after to talk we to finished you. to talk yeah. to me. It was uh, out the door and around the corner. Like, it was yeah. incredible. And we touched a lot of people. And it was in that moment that it was like, oh, wow, we've got something special here. And we knew it earlier, but that yeah. was the first time it was like, people are going to really resonate with this story. So the 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 next step was to send it out uh, into the world, and yeah. and you you received uh, some recognition, and I'm just going to steal a little bit of th- thunder from you, just a little bit. Um, you, you were the GI Film Festival in San Diego, an official selection in 2018, yep. best documentary winner for the Normandy World War II Festival in 2018, and you were the official selection of the Marina del Rey Film Festival in 2018. Um, so, so it's resonating with people out in the world. And I think then you get a phone call, or did you get a text or an email? <laughs> uh... I ultimately get an email and it says, uh, well, and actually I, I should back up for two seconds. Um, after we do the film festival route, we were riding on a high and I said, man, it would be cool if we could get this to just even a few more people. So I said, wouldn't it be cool if we could get this on TV? And I personally started reaching out to PBS affiliates around the country. And this is a story I don't think I've told you. You're going to like this. Okay. Um, I start emailing PBS affiliates all around the country 
saying my name is Kyle Olson. I had this film. It premiered in Normandy. It's done, you know, a respectable but not crazy film festival tour. You know, we, we've we've done our share, but we're certainly not a Sundance select or anything, you know, too crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But I would like you to check out the film. And if you want, I would be happy to share it with PBS. I'm not looking to, you know, make millions of dollars off of this. I just want to get this out there. I want to get this mm-hmm. on PBS. PBS lines up with the mission of what we're doing. They're an education service. You know, they're a public service. This makes sense. This is a good fit. And so I send off this email to literally every station in the country um, with an extra emphasis on the ones that were in the region where John and Devere were. So in the kind of Illinois region and then the Missouri region. And one day I get an email back from one of the guys in uh, Missouri at the local PBS affiliate. And the email back basically says, thanks for sending this over. We get a lot of submissions. It's going to take me at least six months to look at this thing uh, if we ever get to it. And, you know, uh, we really appreciate you reaching out, but like, you know, don't get your hopes up type thing. And mind you, there, there's also another piece of the story that my kind of secret goal in doing this all, this was end of summer that I'm sending these emails after our kind of whirlwind uh, film festival tour. And my goal was, could I get on at least one network for Veterans Day weekend? That was the goal, like any, yeah. any one affiliate across the country. Um, and when I saw that email, it was just a big blow. Cause it was like, gosh, you know, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, veterans day, maybe next year, but you know, right. not anytime soon. Three hours later, my phone rings and I pick up the phone and it's the same gentleman that had just emailed me a few hours earlier. And he said, is this Kyle Olson? And I said, yeah. And he said, I just sent you an email a few hours ago and I'm going to start with an apology. I sent you an email and I said that it was going to be a while before I got around to it and, you know, that kind of thing. And it goes, and that's usually how it works around here. But I had 10 minutes in my schedule today where a meeting dropped and fell out or whatever. And I clicked on your link and I started watching and I figured I'd watch the first two minutes and I'd stop. And I couldn't stop and I canceled my next meeting because I had to finish watching this documentary. I'm moving. He says, I'm moving my entire November schedule. They had the lineup locked already. He said, I'm moving the schedule so that the last signal can air right before and on Veterans Day. So then a few months later, I get an email and the email is from the Academy. And they said, "Uh, congratulations, you've just been nominated for an Emmy Award for the last signal. So this was for the Mid-America Emmys, which is a branch of the National uh, Division of the Television Academy. Um, And so this was happening in Branson, Missouri, uh, Mm -hmm. which I'd never been to. None of us had ever really been. Uh, Which ironically is a very, very big veteran town, very patriotic town, big reunion town. Huge huge reunion town. One of the biggest. They they want the veterans to come here. We're very like veteran friendly, elderly friendly, family friendly Mm -hmm. community where everybody can come and have a good time. You know, so it's a beautiful city and if you haven't gone i highly recommend it it is a great place to host any event uh shout out to the city of france and missouri right like they Uh they deserve it because they're they're, they were fantastic Uh, so we start getting our plans together and there's a part of the story that i guess uh, we have to kind of uh, put in here uh a few months prior to this devere had passed um Mm. so this was rather special this moment because this for a minute kind of illuminates devere again in cheryl's and this is the first time that we'd really been talking about The Last Signal again since Devere had passed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and so we all pack our bags and we head to Branson. And what was kind of incredible is that 
you know, everybody arrives here in Branson for what would truly become like a spectacular weekend. You know, we got people mm -hmm. coming from all across the country and the night before the big event, we're all together, you know, we're having dinner and, you know, we're, we're just talking about what could be, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's just an honor to be nominated. Like right, we don't want right. to get our hopes up. And, you know, uh, Cheryl. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, we, we do, but we don't, right? Um, right, right. And, and she, I think it was Cheryl, or I think it was Cheryl, opens up a fortune cookie at the table and shit you not inside the fortune cookie. It says that a win is coming soon in our future. No, and, that's new. Course, I hadn't heard that story. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, oh, come on, like, come on, like, like, and at this point, like, also mind you, like, I've watched all the other documentaries in the category, we're up against some big ones, we're up against a Vietnam doc, we're up against all these really incredible documentaries, these massive, massive um, networks, these studio networks, mm -hmm. you know, back at the beginning of the story, we talk about how early in this process, Cheryl had an offer. She could have gone with ABC. She could have gone with any of the big networks. And then she could have gone with Kyle, the independent movie producer. And she decided to go with us and turn down all the networks. And now my, how the tables have turned. And now it is right. us, the literal nobodies in the room and the networks. And it was uh -huh. like, well, how are you going to beat ABC? How are you going to beat these big you know, networks? And, and so, you know, at long last, we're here. We're at the Emmys uh, event. And, you know, another thing that is kind of worth noting is that this Emmy event happens four years to the day that we filmed the reunion in Stover for the last oh, wow. So again, there's these stars that are aligned, yeah. you know, um, and we sit down and we're, we're placed at a table. We have this beautiful table where we can all, you know, kind of enjoy the event together. And it's table 41. 1941, lot mm -hmm. of connections with World War II uh, that John notices right before anybody does. And so we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, how, are, and at this point I kind of start saying, you know, th this, there, there can be no more happy accidents. Like if, right. if we don't get the Emmy now, I'm almost going to be mad because yeah. then it's like, the, like, how is it possible that all these things lined up and we didn't get it? I was like, I'm going to have to rethink everything in my life if we don't win this thing because I can't help but seeing signs. And like, these aren't signs like, you know how sometimes you know, we, we in our lives, we're like, you know, oh, just send me a sign. And like, you, you look for signs. These uh -huh. were like, th these signs were slapping us in the face. And so finally, here comes the moment. And it's, you know, and the Emmy goes to for best documentary and they say the last signal and oh my gosh in this moment this whirlwind event kind of hits you where it's like we've been on this amazing journey mm -hmm. you know we start screaming at the table john becomes 12 years old again <laughs> you know yeah. and we all just can't believe it and uh, i'm told this is a story i was told because i i'm on my way now to the stage to pick up the emmy and as the rest of the team is at the table, apparently John says, boy, sure, I'm glad I came now. <laughs> <laughs> glad I made the drive down. <laughs> and so that was, that was pretty cute. So I get up on stage, she hands me the Emmy, and I start talking. And, and one of the things I said was, I said, you know, this is a story about two World War II veterans that at the end of their lives decided that they were going to 
go outside of their comfort zone and have this reunion and have this moment, as Ruth said, at the last lap of their lives. And one of those veterans now is watching us from up in heaven. And one of those veterans at 95 years young is here and he's in our audience tonight and he's worthy of our applause and our gratitude. Mm -hmm. And it was the first standing ovation of the evening. Everybody got on their feet and gave these huge uh, applause and kudos for this hometown hero of theirs, John Heinsoff. And mm -hmm. it was absolutely beautiful. And it was in that moment that it was like, all of the stars aligned, everything was right where it should be. John gets this kind of encore, if you will, at the end of his life. Uh, and it was it was just beautiful. And, and to kind of wrap up John's part of the story, um, almost a month to the day later, he passes away. Mm. Uh, and, and <laughs> I get goosebumps again because, and I might get emotional here, but like the, <laughs> the fact that he was able to do that at, yeah. at the end of his life and with his, you know, family uh, present as well. And, you know, <laughs> most people uh, that are in their nineties aren't going to the Emmys, much less winning no. them. <laughs> no. No, and, most and, definitely. Yeah, and, and and this was just, and, and never in our wildest dreams when we started this project did we think that we were ever going to be here, but yet what a beautiful way to kind of, you know, chef kiss and end this entire experience that we've been on, and just a absolute roller coaster, and, you know... <laughs> This entire story, you look back and it's like, we had these ups, we have these downs. Um, some people said that it would, would be impossible. Some people were saying, this is not going to happen the way you think it's gonna happen. Yet we continued to persist. We pushed through it all. We made it work. And you know, mm -hmm. during the toughest times during this entire process, we hit roadblocks and we hit speed bumps. And what we did in those moments, and this sounds cliche and this sounds so trite, but like we, we literally looked to the stars and to the heavens and said, you know, we are going to figure this out and we are going to right. let this guide us. And what's meant to be is meant to be. And we believe in the process. We believe in the story. We believe in the mission of getting the story out there. Right. And we believe that that will kind of set us on this journey and point us on the right path. And to say it did is an understatement. It really yeah. is, you know, and it paid dividends and it continues to pay dividends. And now we're on uh, Amazon and we're streaming on there so people can see it. And, you know, people still hit me up and it's like, I just saw the last segment for the first time and oh my gosh, what an amazing story. And now I'm going to go talk to my grandparents about what they did in the war. And so, you yeah. know, the legacy lives on in John and Devere, of course, but it also lives on in all the others that it inspires, you know, and that's been one of the most rewarding parts of this entire thing. And again, this goes right back to what we said at the beginning, which is mm -hmm. these reunions that we do, these reunions that we help host and curate, they mean something and they matter and they have such a ripple effect beyond the people that are, you know, reuniting, right? It, it, there's yeah. these two guys yeah. from World War II that ultimately had a reunion and they touched hundreds of people's lives, thousands of people's lives, millions of people's lives if you cut all these shares on Facebook at the very beginning, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and, and and this is the ripple effect. So, you know, when, when your people, you know, that come 
to the military reunion network, you know, they're, they're thinking about reunions and they're like, oh, well, you know, it'd be nice to get a huge reunion of, you know, 50, 100 people, you know, or, oh, we can only get three or four people together. It doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't. Size it doesn't. does not matter here, you know, and yeah. that's an important takeaway is that these reunions can have a lasting impact on not just the vets, but on everyone that is involved. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised to see what those ripple effects are. You know, absolutely. I could not have said it better. Um, one of the things that I love about the Last Signal movie is that it 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 creates a framework for um, veterans to start the curiosity of. I wonder if anybody else is out there. It creates yeah. the framework of um, children and grandchildren of veterans to to start becoming more curious and asking the questions. And it's not only asking the questions but it allows you know it kind of is the it shows you kind of how to start those conversations just because you're you're witnessing it and and um the 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 documentary is not you know it's probably as long as this podcast a lot of times when people hear documentary they get scared or turned off and it's like oh it's gonna be boring there's gonna be a narrator this is one of the few world war ii documentaries that happens in present day this is right. happening now. This isn't about what, I mean, it's about what they did then, but this isn't, you know, going back in time and getting recreations and actors and, you know, uh, yes, we have historical footage and stuff, but like, this is all being told through today's lens. We, we text, we tweet, we do all the things that all the kids are doing these days in this documentary. Mm -hmm. And we purposely made the choice to do it that way because we wanted this to appeal to all audiences, but specifically to the younger ones, you know, uh, right. in Stover, the high school where uh, John, John grew up in the city of Stover, but also went to that high school uh, back in his day. Um, you know, they played The Last Signal um, up uh, in Joliet, Illinois. Those high schools have played The Last Signal. And so, you know, the, the kids there, they resonate with this because this is something that's told in present day. They see their grandparents, you know, in these stories. And now they start to understand at a younger age than even I did that like, oh, right. this is important. You know, these are things that are really something that matters. Thank you so much for this. And I'm loving oh. the fact that we had the time. I mean, you and I have talked about the beginning and we've talked yes. about kind of the conclusion and this is just really nice to encapsulate the entire story together. Yeah, um, and I, I wanna put this on my website as well because you know, people ask us all the time like, how can we hear the whole story of behind the scenes? You know, again, the, the, the documentary yes. behind the scenes and like th this has not been archived anywhere. And so I'm thrilled that your listeners get to hear it, but I'm also just as equally excited for uh, our audience and fans to hear it as well, because I know yep. that people have asked about this for years and it's lovely to be able to get, uh, you know, a, a nice time capsule of this entire mm -hmm. experience together in one spot, you know. Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, now that you have heard the story, you want to jump on Amazon and search for The Last Signal. Uh, for those of you listening, thank you so much for taking the time. For our veterans, thank you so much for your service. We hope you hear it often, and we hope you never tire of hearing it. We'll see you next time.